0: Welcome back to Material World. We're digging into the stories behind all the things you buy. I'm Lindsay
1: Rupp. I write about
0: retail for Bloomberg News.
1: And I'm Jenny Kaplan. I cover the beverage, tobacco, and cannabis industries at Bloomberg. Recently, we've got babies on the brain. That's because one of our amazing producers, Magnus, just went out on paternity leave.
0: There's no question that having a baby is one of the biggest changes, maybe the
1: biggest, in a person's life. And new parents are a gold mine for companies. People buy things for babies that they would just deem ridiculous for other people and let them do things that you would never let another person do. Here's an example from comedian Jim Gaffigan.
0: Because babies are magic. They are. Because they're the worst roommates. Like, if you had a roommate that did one of the things a newborn does, you'd be like, you're moving out. I mean... (laughs) You can't even reason with a baby. You can't be like, what the hell was going on last night? You were hitting the bottle pretty hard. Then you started screaming and you threw up on me? Then you passed out and wet yourself? I went in the other room to get you some dry clothes. I come back, you're all over my wife's breasts. <laughs> Dude, you gotta move out. I mean. New parents have always been major targets for companies, but that might be truer now than ever. So let's talk about babies.
2: In
1: case having a baby sounds great to you right now, here's some statistical birth control. The cost of raising a child born in 2013 through the age of 18 is about $245,000 according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. That doubles if you live in Manhattan. For a child born in 1960, the average was about $199,000 in 2013 dollars. In the first year, a baby costs an average of $13,000. For the lowest income group in the U.S., the first year averages $9,000 and for the highest, $21,000. Do you know what else you could buy for $13,000 in
0: 2013? Well, a three-bedroom house in Detroit, a one-carat Tiffany's engagement ring, or a Chevy Spark, according to a BuzzFeed article. That's a lot of money. So it's no wonder people are waiting longer to have kids. Overall, they're also having fewer of them. Birth rates around the world have declined about 45% between 1960 and 2013, according to the World Bank.
1: And yet, people are still procreating. And in places like Manhattan, children have become a status symbol, according to a much-talked-about memoir called Primates of Park Avenue.
2: Well, I'm working my baby.
1: We've examined some common catalysts of change in past episodes technology, the changing roles of women, millennials, plus the explosion of artisanal products. Are those same themes building up baby spending? Today we're taking a look at baby mania and looking at how the baby product industry is changing and why. First, let's
0: examine the industry perspective. The number of companies vying for parents' attention has multiplied. It's not just Huggies versus Pampers anymore. More parents are turning to upstarts like The Honest Company or small producers on Etsy.
1: It's a big, crowded industry. Baby food and formula sales alone reached approximately $30 billion in 2015, and the global diaper market exceeded $29 billion that year, according to data from Nielsen.
3: I've been a little surprised that some of the bigger companies haven't been quicker to adapt. And J&J acknowledge that very publicly, that they are losing market share to some of these new companies like the Honest Company. And they better do something or they're going to continue to lose consumers.
0: That's Lauren Coleman-Lochner. She's on our team at Bloomberg, and she writes about consumer products like the ones made by Procter & Gamble and Johnson & Johnson. She also writes about retailers in distress. You'll hear more from her later.
1: As times and trends change, companies have to adapt. Danielle Signorelli, chief marketing officer at Rashti & Rashti, came in to talk with us about how her company has managed to stay relevant.
0: Rashti & Rashti is a family-owned private company that makes apparel, blankets, and plush toys for newborns. It's been around for four generations, or nearly 70 years. It doesn't sell directly to consumers, but rather it sells its brands in all the major big box stores and other places you'd find baby things. That's a really long time to be in business, in the same business, so I'm sure you guys have seen it evolve as a company over the last 70 years. Could you walk us through some of the major changes that have taken place, or, or if
4: it's shifting right now, what's, uh, what's happening, what you're seeing? There have definitely been changes in the industry. I would probably say the biggest changes come from technology. When you're dealing with product that is sold in stores, there are lots of changes in how the retail environment works, and you have to kind of respond to that. Uh, We now have seen such an increase in online sales, whereas before... The large multi-chain department stores and retailers were sort of king. I mean, are you
1: seeing more new competitors pop up because you can start a business
4: and make those connections online more easily? I think there is definitely a shift in uh, the different companies who offer new products. Uh, Online allows that uh, entry much easier. There are options for smaller startups to partner with larger established companies, such as licensing deals, other things, in order to create an infrastructure partner in order to get that product out. Companies like ours, uh, although we create a lot of new product ourselves, we're always open to innovative ideas from new people. Moms today create their own products and to come up with a mom-created product that we can produce and distribute into, this mar- into the market is really a win-win for both. You mentioned that there are a lot of mom inventors that they're inventing
1: what, they, what their babies need. Is that new? I mean, are there more moms
4: inventing than in previous years? You know, invention always starts from necessity. So I'm sure all along, there's always been moms saying, oh, I need this. I I think today though, access to information is so much more readily available that if a mom has an idea, she can actually go out there and figure out a way to get it made. I think years ago, that may not have been so easy. Um, And then also, once you come up with the idea, how do you get it out there? How do you get the idea out there? I think again, years ago, Moms really, with unless it's their small community of friends, they really had no way of getting that idea to the public. Today, with social media being so popular, with um, online sales, websites such as Etsy and Amazon allow individuals to sell product. I think the idea of disseminating the idea... Is much less scary to moms and much more accessible. So, coming up with those ideas and giving them a try, I think, is something that moms are willing to do today. I also think that moms, being a little bit older and more educated, have the knowledge that you need to sort of get into business today, or they already have a pre existing business background. So, the idea isn't as scary. I'm curious about your experience i mean you're a relatively new mom what's it like working
0: at this baby company and and having a baby and and are there holes that you see or products that you you want that you can't find
4: or i don't know i you know i being coming a new mom myself has definitely changed my perspective i use the product for my son you know he, uh i found the product was definitely everything that I said it was supposed to be. <laughs> That's good. Um, which was great. But then at the same time, I realized that some things aren't always what you think they are until you use them. My husband, for example, a lot of the garments would have snaps down the front. And he, at night, when he would try to change the baby, he would fumble with these snaps. He'd be complaining that his fingers are too big to do these little little tiny snaps, uh, so he liked zippers. Personally, I never really thought about snaps versus zippers as a employee of the company, but. When I actually got to use the product and heard comments from my husband, I said, oh, wow, zippers can really help a new mom. Late night changes. It's You're getting up. It's dark. You want to be make it quick. A zipper might be, you know, another better option than a snap all the time, you know, for night time. So that perspective has certainly uh, changed uh, through experience. I just think that maybe... Um, one of the other changes uh, in the industry, too, uh, is uh, the expectation of social responsibility. Mm. Um, whether it's through ethical sourcing um, on a retail level, it could be um, reducing a carbon footprint. I think people care about these things and their expectations of companies have risen. They ex- it's not even a matter of paying more for these products. They expect companies to automatically uh, incorporate philosophies that are humane, that you know are good to the environment, are good to people. And I think those are things that people are more educated about today. Consumers want to know that the companies that they work with, that they purchase from, are um, are open with their policies and are very transparent about how they treat the world and how they manufacture and produce.
0: It can be hard to really understand consumers' needs until you are that consumer, like Danielle said about infant onesies with zippers instead of snaps. Kira Kohair
1: actually thought of her business idea before she got pregnant. She saw an opportunity based on her own interest in fitness and the lack of information out there about pregnancy and working out. FitBump is a self-funded company that posts editorial content and sells maternity athletic apparel. Kira
0: also has a newborn, so she can speak to being a new parent as well as being a business owner.
1: How and why did you
2: get into this? I mean, why did you decide to start FitBump? So I had a PR agency in the city that I've had for nine years, and I had been working on a lot of mommy baby brands and fitness brands and doing a lot of research. And I saw a lot of my friends, a lot of women, the older generation of millennials getting pregnant and having been very active throughout growing up and college and just had different needs and saw a lot of things that weren't meeting those needs. There were, at the time when I started researching this, there wasn't really active wear. There wasn't education. It was still really pre-Instagram stage where I think now people can see, oh, maybe I don't know anyone who's running while they're pregnant, but I see a lot of people on social media who are doing it, and there's this community around that. But even three, four years ago, I think women were still getting the side eye at the gym when they were on an elliptical or lifting when they were pregnant. And now it's become a little bit more of a norm. And a lot of studies are coming out promoting that. So we offer educational resources, fitness in addition to the clothes, as well as education around nutrition for pregnancy. Wow.
1: So in terms of the industry in general of products relating to pregnancy and I know you have a newborn, so yeah. even baby <laughs> products oh, yeah. um more specifically.
2: How have you seen the industry change? Uh I think it grew exponentially over the last I'd say eighteen months and I think that has a lot to do with social media and a lot of brands, bigger brands have been jumping into the game like Athleta and Gap and Old Navy. um, I think they see that market, I think, because the athleisure market's grown so extensively. Everyone's just kind of doing that. And then I think with more studies coming out that fitness during pregnancy is is really positive and and helpful. And um, there being more press around women doing CrossFit pregnant, women spinning during pregnancy. I think just the overall knowledge around it has created kind of a comfort zone for people saying, okay, I can trust my body. I know what to do. My doctor okays it. I can get back into it. Right. Yeah.
1: So you mentioned that you were working, um, marketing a lot of yes. mommy and baby yes. companies.
2: So was it just from that experience or did you have kids at the time? What? Um, I did not have kids at the time. I currently have a four-week-old. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: That's really interesting. We've heard from some people here that, you know, it seems like more and more people are starting businesses when around like their own personal experiences. It's interesting. Is that something that you see among the competitive
2: landscape? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Not just in fitness, but in other, I think a lot in nutrition of what people can't find in terms of everything from trying to get pregnant during pregnancy, post with, lactation, all those different types of things. I think it's a lot of what moms experience, try to look for on the market, can't find, and then fill fill a gap.
1: Since you mentioned you do have a newborn, yeah. um <laughs> how how do you feel like your or do you feel like your spending on baby products oh. is <laughs>
2: different than like your mom's or, you know, generations before you? Oh my goodness. I think my family is totally baffled that, like, the <laughs> amount of product that's now available from when, like, I was a baby in the 70s, in the late 70s. Like, you know, there's things like warmers for the wipes. <laughs> so your baby doesn't have to have a cold tushy when he's getting a diaper <laughs> change. <laughs> that's, that is something to think about. <laughs> I mean, there's something for everything.
1: Looking kind of more broadly, do you see... A lot of people like yourself who I know you said there are people who are, are looking and finding needs based on their personal experience but so do you think that the industry is really being populated more by startups now I mean they're huge
2: I think giant so. companies well, th- yes I think there's huge giant companies that most people it's the go-to but I see on Instagram daily new businesses popping up that start with mom who couldn't find X solution for X baby or pregnancy or parenting problem. So I think it's a lot of of small businesses populating this area.
1: The biggest question I have in all this is why are things changing? Having babies is clearly not a new thing. So why are parents now choosier than the parents who have come before? This is your first child. Yes. How has it been gearing up
5: <laughs> it's uh that's both a very literal and figurative <laughs> term that's Libby McGowan.
1: she's the u s team leader for our daybreak product here at Bloomberg. She's currently pregnant with her first child.
5: I would say it's been very interesting you know at the beginning you're just so excited and you're not like thinking about logistics and then you start thinking about logistics and you're uh-huh. like, oh, I guess I need a stroller." well, I'll just go look online. And all of the sudden you're sucked into this vortex (laughs) of different models. And there's just so much research out there and so many different considerations and things that you've really never thought of, you know, the length of the sunshade and does it convert into a double stroller? Does it fit toddlers and babies? Oh my (laughs) gosh. I will say the mom community is powerful there are endless blogs and and these women do exhaustive research and one thing that i found was that through of course social media instagram and you know facebook you can find these amazing communities Uh and um, one group that i found which is hilarious is the upper east side moms group in New York City and these are I mean moms that know their stuff Yeah, <laughs> it's it's 18,000 women I think and it is this exhaustive pool of like anytime I've had a question about a baby product like do I want to register for this do I really need this <laughs> so you can search the topics of discussion and all of a the sudden there will be 15 posts on this one product you know with 30 40 replies people either swearing by it or hated it i think where baby gear in particular differs is that parenthood is stressful for for moms for dads It's, it's stressful and you're learning a lot and it's a learning curve and so if there's a product that allowed you to put the baby down happily for 30 minutes and get something done or that allowed you to get an extra hour or two of sleep You're going to swear by it. (laughs) You're going to recommend it to every mom you know. You're going to, you know. An extra hour of sleep is a really big deal. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Our friend Lauren has a daughter out of college and a son in college. So we asked her about her personal thoughts on the industry. Have things
3: changed? So what we're seeing all over the world, really, is that there's a growing preference for natural and organic and that's obviously a trend that we've seen in other areas of the consumer world, most notably food but also um, premium personal care and products overall. So it's not just for babies. People are willing to spend money. They're willing to always spend money on their kids, but there's so much more choice now. There are so many new companies that certainly were not on the scene when my kids, who are now out of the house, were were little. Um, it was pretty much the basics for us. It was J&J was the dominant thing. You know, when I came home from the hospital with my kids, you got the little goodie bag from j and J. I don't know if they still do that anymore. There weren't a lot of organic and natural alternatives out there.
0: Do you think that the, you know, it was- Consumers being more informed, I would assume that has a lot to do with the internet, but also, you know, we were talking about this, people are waiting a little longer to become parents, they're a little older. I mean, what do you think is making
3: consumers educate themselves and demand higher quality stuff? I do think it's an outgrowth. I do think that younger shoppers are more aware that their preferences, they're more interested in sustainability, they're more aware of social responsibility and companies doing good. So I think that spills into their preferences and informs their preferences once they start families. Do you think that parent buying patterns have changed? Well, we're seeing it, and it, it was really notable when J&J had a recent conference call. Now, J&J was actually pretty out in front in terms of identifying some concerns, consumer concerns about some ingredients in their products. So they reformulated some of their stuff. I believe it was in 2013. Don't quote me on that. These shoppers are looking for active, natural ingredients. So calendula, for example, that's known to have a calming effect. So it's not just we took the bad stuff out. We're putting in active, effective, natural ingredients into these products. And we're going to highlight that. You mentioned when we were
0: talking earlier about the global baby marketplace is changing. So we've talked a lot about the US, but what are we seeing for these bigger companies that have dominated the marketplace for so long?
3: What are we seeing for them? Sure. So even some of these developing markets, which are very, very important to companies like J&J and P&G and Unilever, and we know that the growth in some instances has slowed down. But in a place like China, which is obviously also going to be driven by some of the policy changes now. You still have a rapidly growing economy and a rapidly growing middle class, and they want premium products for their babies. This was something that P&G acknowledged in recent calls, that they had sort of missed that trend, that they didn't have enough of the high end product like the um, ultra thin diapers. And I, you know, it's escaping me the specific brands, but, you know, they've all kind of stepped up and started offering these premium diapers, Kimberly-Clark as well, and they're doing well for these companies. They didn't really identify the demand in China, and they are now trying to fix that.
0: Do you think we're seeing a shift where people are willing to trust some of these smaller, newer players who cater to a specific market more so than they trust a Johnson & Johnson or a Kimberly-Clark, which, you know,
3: those used to be those, you were loyal to those brands, you know, oh, I always use Pampers. I think there's been an absolute shift. I think that people, millennials, I hate to lump everybody, but I mean, I think there's a tendency now not to be brand loyal. Those those names don't mean the same things to younger shoppers that they did, not even in my generation, but probably to my parents' generation. There is an absolute willingness to try new brands because they, I hate to use this word, authentic, but I mean, there's a story and you can, you know, read about the two founders that, you know, started the business in their kitchen when their kids were young. And there's more of a connection, um, more of an entrepreneurial story to tell. Do you think consumers are less brand loyal now? I think they're absolutely less brand loyal. I just don't think that some of these legacy brands that we grew up, all grew up with are is meaningful to people To be fair, I would be shopping differently now if my kids were that age.
1: It seems like all the usual suspects are involved here. Technology, millennials, craft or organic products. All of these things are impacting the baby business. But demanding premium quality products means increasing baby expenses even beyond their already astonishing levels.
0: From a company standpoint, technology makes it easier for people to order products online from the big players and also makes entrepreneurial ventures more realistic. People are having babies later, so parents with interesting ideas already have business experience and they know how
1: to go after what they want. As consumers, those older parents are more educated and have more money to spend on their kids. They also just have more information. With social media and particularly mommy groups, parents can get reviews and opinions from 18,000 peers rather than just turning to their parents or real life friends. But the
0: pressure to keep up with the best gadgets and the most healthy ingredients could legitimately drain all of your resources. On the one hand, people want higher quality ingredients. On the other, they also have to consider the fact that these things are probably short-term use only.
1: Meanwhile, the kid you have to keep. After that first year of $13,000, you still have $232,000 to go, and that only gets you to college. Still, my guess is parents would say ending up with a healthy and happy kid makes it all worthwhile. That's it for this episode of Material World. Thanks for listening. For
0: more Material World, check out Bloomberg.com or iTunes.com materialworld You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at LC Rupp and Jenny's
1: at Jenny M. Kaplan. Find out what's new with Fitbump at Fitbump, Lauren Coleman Lochner at Lauren Lochner, and Libby McGowan at Lib McGowan.
0: If you like what you heard and feel so compelled, please rate and review our show. Also, check out our sister podcast, Game Plan, for all the do's and don'ts of Office Life. We'll be back in two weeks.
2: when i first started the company 3 4 years ago i would have women say to me like i'm really worried the baby's going to fall out and i would say you're going to wish the baby just falls <laughs> <out."> <laughs> like you're not doing a squat and the baby's not going to fall out and yeah that feels <laughs> I-,
4: <laughs> I mean